Open your mouth and pray in Jesus' name. May my ministry not lack money. The large money that will help me to preach the gospel as we want it to be preached, Lord. I receive them from the north, from the south, from the west, from the east. May my ministry not lack the money to tell of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. To expand the gospel to the whole world. So shall it be. In Jesus' name we pray. This week, this conference will not be a waste. You that you have come here and those that will listen to the tapes and watch it, God will do amazing things in your life in Jesus' name. So shall it be. In Jesus' name. Okay, please have your seat. You are welcome in Jesus' name. Thank you for that wonderful opening session by Pastor Alex. Uh, allow me to say this. If you register for this conference and you are here already, it simply means you want to hear from God. And allow me to say this. This is a teaching conference. We may not have time for singing and dancing, but we have lots of time for teaching. As you must have seen in the program, our emphasis is that in this particular conference, we want to address issues that are close to the very heart of God. And we are going to be brutally frank. I don't expect some of you to greet me at the end of every message. Now I'm going to be, and I don't expect you to answer me. I don't expect you to smile all the time because the time we are in calls for us to be brutally frank with ourselves. Those who have ears to hear, they will hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. You are not here this week, and we are going to teach you about one church, that pastor, that minister. No. We are, God is going to talk to you, talk to me, correct you, rebuke you, sharpen you, even sometime wound you and heal you. If you are ready, we'll go together. But if you are not ready, today may be your last day of coming. You may not come from tomorrow. But you see, that doesn't really matter. Either you run away from me today, or you postpone it. One day, these truths are going to catch up with you. One of the major problems of the church, especially the African church, is that we are on touch church. Teaching is not prevalent as it should be. We are more of a church of motivation, of inspiration, of prophetic, of prayer, of problem, of miracles, than teaching. And that's why there are lots and lots of evils in the church today. They call it disinfunctional church. And hopefully, maybe by February, I can say one or two things about that. Another truth about the church today is that we are on fathered church. A church that has no father. Okay, Pastor Les was talking about uh, a, 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 an unblemished minister is somebody that has a covering. Oh, most of us don't have covering. Most of us, the doctrines we preach, the revelations we share, the prayer points we lay, what we do in our church, 
we have no father to correct us. So most of us do things and we turn the Bible upside down. But thank God you are here this week. Systematically as we go. Right from the first teaching throughout today. And if you look at the program, God has helped us to arrange it. Though we can change it a little, we can bring in one or two things. We can put one in three because the program is, I mean, we are not made for program. The program is made for us. But at the same time, if you look at it, God has helped us do it systematically so that we can trash out this issue of money in the church. Jesus was mightily concerned about the church of his day. That's why, if you really welcome, Jesus went to the synagogue in Matthew 21. And the Bible says, he took stone, I mean, he took cane and drove out those who are selling and buying in the church. And he made a very significant statement that was relevant now, then, and is still relevant today. What did he say? He says, my father's house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have turned it into the dens of thieves and robbers. Is it any different today? So if Jesus was concerned by then, to understand that the Bible says he was angry, he angrily drew two people away and overthrew their tables. The table of bread has become the table of commercials. Now if he did it by then, I'm sure he will do it today. So bringing you to this conference is God's way of saying, my son, my daughter, my servant, my church, hear my word. And to some of us, it may be the last warning you will hear. And if you don't change, after you listen to all these things, or you get annoyed, you run away. Shame on you. But I pray, the Lord who brought you here, he will sustain you in Jesus' name. Say a better amen. amen. Okay, let me get to the material, page number four. In a jiffy, let's run through that. Money in ministry. The relationship between money and ministry. Let's look at it. For too long a time, ministers and church leaders have kept silent about the issue of money in ministry. We have expounded negative views about it and have not addressed it in a balanced way. Yeah, that's the key there. In a balanced way. Most of our fathers, what they have taught us about money is wrong. It's not balanced. Most of the preachings, most of the teachings we heard about money, it's not balanced. Most of the way we raise money in the church, we manage money in the ministry, we distribute money, we talk about tithes and offering and fundraising in the church, it's ungodly, it's unbiblical. I'm not ashamed to say that. Because I know so many fathers that have taught things that are not scriptural, that have taught things that is only that stem from their own ungodly practices. Now our teachings on it have been one-sided and ungodly practices that have brought much shame, brought much shame to the church, to the name of the Lord and to his church have been the outcome. Yet, every minister, every church, every ministry and every leader, we pray for money, we work for money, we spend money and demand for money one way or the other. But we don't learn balanced view about the money. Now this is why this conference, God helped us. And God brought it to our mind to do this. Now let me go to that Bible passage I, I read. I'll just make an inference there. You know that is the story 
of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he rose from the dead, I mean, when he died, he was put in the sepulcher. The Bible says a seal was placed on the sepulcher. sepulcher because somebody says, that deceiver said, that's in chapter 27, that deceiver said that on the third day, I am going to rise. So let's make sure that he doesn't rise. And in order for them to be sure that he will never rise, the Bible says they went and placed a seal, the seal of the king, they placed it there. Not only that, they took uh, soldiers with sword and uh, arrows in their hand to be guarding the tomb that if he dares raise up, they should kill him the second time. But you know the truth, that he rose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, the Bible said there was an earthquake and the foundation of the, of the, of the place shook up that even the watchmen they were like dead men. And he rose triumphantly. And he has risen. And went his way. Carrying out his ministry to his disciples. When those watchmen came back to life. And when they came back to life. They saw that the prison has been opened. This man has risen from the dead. What we said should not happen has happened. The Bible said they took the story of his resurrection. They took it to the religious leaders of his day. That man. He rose oh. What we said should not happen, happen no. Do you know what they did? They bribed them. The Bible said they gave them large sums of money. That they should say he never rose from the dead. That rather it is disciples that came and took him away. And the Bible says up till today. That is the story in Israel. That's why people, the Israelites, the Jews, until today, they never believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Because why? Money exchanged hands. This is the revelation there. If money was used and large sums of money for that matter, if large sums of money was used so that the story of the resurrection can be stopped, we will need much more money. To publicize that story. Hello? Are you still around? Can I come again? If large sums of money was needed. And was used. To, to stop the story of the resurrection. Brothers and sisters. We will need much more large sums of money. To tell that story. That's why I ask you to do that prayer. That the money you will need to do this work. The Lord will give it to you. Amen. I can't hear your amen. amen. If you say amen and you mess. It's a sign that God is here. And that God will answer your prayer this week. <laughs> We need money for ministry. There is a place for money in ministry. And it is very, very crucial. I'm showing you from the scripture. That if money was used to say, that man did not rise from the dead. The Bible said they gave them large money. And they took the money. And they start telling the fake story. We need much more money. To say that truly, he rose from the dead and is alive. 
and God will give you that money. Definition of money. Money is paper and coins with the value printed on it. Money is the most acceptable means of exchange. Yeah, those are simple and straightforward definitions of money. Now, when you took a note, you can see the value there. Five naira, ten naira, ten rounds, fifty rounds, five dollars, five euro, twenty euro. That's the value there in one sense. Not in the whole sense. In one sense. Printed on it there. And it's the most acceptable means of exchange. It means device so that we don't shit each other in the exchange of goods and services. Money is your sweat. You sweat for it. Your energy, your life, and your earnings. Because most time, we work our fingers to the bones to get money. Money is the magnifier of your heart. It reveals what is inside you. Money is the true test of who you are and your relationship with God. Please underline that. Who you are is revealed by money or will be revealed by money. Money is a reward of solving problems for others. Now, in earthly times, in Exodus 7.12, we say money answered, answered all things. In chapter 10 verse 19, we say money is a defense. It defends you. It provides things pertaining to this life. Okay. Now, look at what I put there. Money can buy you an altar. But cannot buy you salvation. Money can buy you bed, but it will not buy you to sleep. Now you need to sleep on that bed. Money can buy you church building, but not faith from God. Money can buy you a house, but it cannot purchase heaven for you. Money can buy you a cross, but it can't give you a savior. Money can buy you pleasure, but it can never give you peace of mind. Money can buy you position, but it can't buy you happiness of life. Money can buy you properties, but it can't give you the wisdom to use them and rights. Money can buy you earthly favor, but not divine favor. However, and that's what I want you to note, however, we need boats for a full and fruitful life here. We need the altar that money can buy, and we need the salvation that money cannot buy. Hello? We need the bed that money can buy, and we need the sleep that money cannot buy. We need the church building that money can buy. And we need the faith that money cannot possess. We need the house and the cross and the pleasure and the position and the properties and the earthly favor that money can buy. And we equally need the heaven, the savior, the peace of mind, the happiness, the wisdom, and the divine favor that money can buy. God will give you both of them. Amen. I can't hear your amen. amen. Money is neither good nor bad. But rather, takes the form of his user and usage. In other words, what determines the picture money will take in your life is the usage you put that money to. Yes, I've heard a lot of preachers say a lot of things about money. We'll be looking at all that this week, my brethren. You must know that it has taken us months of fasting and prayers to put these things together. Hello? Money becomes bad in the hand of a bad person. If you are bad, if you are wicked, if you are sinful, if you are ungodly, the money will become bad in your hand. And money becomes good in the hand of a good man. If you are godly, if you are righteous, if you are sincere, if you are, if you are generous, money becomes a tool in your hand. Ultimately, money is simply a tool. What do I call money? A tool to accomplish things. For life, 
and for eternity. It's a tool. Please don't forget that. In your definition, put it there. Money is simply a tool. Above all, money is a tool. No more, no less. It's a tool. To accomplish things for God and for eternity. It's simply a tool. It's not worth dying for. You'll be hearing that as you go on. It's not what you stake all your life for. Money is not number one in life. No, God is forever number one. Money is simply a tool. To make life maybe more enjoyable. And for us to accomplish things of eternal value. That's what money is. Now, God does not condemn money. Are you surprised with that? Rather, it is wrong attitudes of greed. Yeah, those are the wrong attitudes now. This is what the Bible condemns. So when you look at the Bible about money, passages of scriptures like 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 10 that said the love of money is the root of all evil. Which some have coveted after. Some have coveted after. That's the attitude there. Covetousness. Which some have coveted after and they have erred from their faith. So when you have the wrong attitudes about money, avarice, greed, covetousness, selfishness, and worship of money, that's what God roundly condemned throughout the pages of the scripture. And this week, we shall be looking at several pages of the scripture. I'll be quoting them verbatim, then we'll be reading some of them. Okay. When properly handled, it is productive and can serve very fruitful and eternal purposes. May God give you the wisdom to handle money properly. May money not handle you. Yes, Facts and realities of money. The term, the terms, money and possession appears more than 2,300 times in the word of God. One verse in every six in the New Testament as a whole deals with or has reference to money or economic matters. 16 out of the 38 parables of Jesus were concerned with how to handle money. Now you can see the prime importance that the Bible gives to money. Now look at those facts about money. After God and people, your next major need is what? You need God first. And number two, you need what? You need good people around you. You need godly people around you. Because even when you are looking for money and you have people, what have you got? Money. After God and people, your next major need is money. Number two, two thoughts of our life spent, is spent searching for money. I was reading a research. Was it this morning in the papers? It was saying that Nigerians, according to the Statistics Office of Nigeria, says that Nigerians spend half of their income on, on food. The rest income. They spend it on buying things and here and there. So, basically, Nigeria don't have savings. The average Nigerian, so to say. In other words, two-thirds of our life is searching for, <laughs> what do I eat? What do I work? How do I make money? How do I make ends meet? How do I <laughs> feed myself, feed my family, feed others? That's what we spend all our life doing. Men, money does not just come to you. There are things you must know, you must understand, you must believe, and you must practice to attract it. And that's what we want to look at this week. Even in the church, this is not general, it's about church. Because, in my understanding, I may not be properly right, 
But in my understanding, there have been no conference so far in the last 20, 30 years in Nigeria that really dealt with this issue of money in a balanced way in the church. Most of it is either one side of the church will glorify poverty. The other side of the church will glorify prosperity that has turned into materialism. We're not balanced. But thank God, God will help us to balance it here this week. Say better, amen. amen. Your biggest idea cannot succeed without money. If you don't control money, it will control you. Now, you will see one question about this outline is that at the end of each lecture, you will see money speaking. What money is saying? And you better believe them because they are truth. Money says, if you don't control me, I will control you. Unfortunately, many of us in ministry, money is controlling us. You may not admit it, but that's the truth. We'll get there and you'll see that one of the, our major, major problem in ministry is this issue of money. Especially our attitudes to money. Now, I've come across lots and lots of ministers. I've seen lots of things ministers do. One major problem is money. You know, you mentioned five evils of ministry. Yes, if you are covetous, it is money behind it. When you are immoral, I mean, you are sleeping with women here and there. What is the secret? Money. Because you have to service those women. You have to give them money. And you know, there are a circle of ministers today. There is a group of ministers that if you belong to them, if they ordain you among them, the number one thing is you must sleep with women. And as many women as you sleep with, so shall your church grow. Say, my brother, here, what are you? When you say man of God is doing juju, what is the motive? What is the bottom line? It's juju, it's money. When they say man of God is proud and cocky, why? He has a once upon naira in his pocket. It's money. Money is the major evil in ministry. And as long as we don't address it, and you as a person, as long as you don't address it in your life, I don't see your ministry lasting. Check it up. Read history. Read records. Look at churches in Nigeria. Look at ministers that have risen and they have gone. And look at the ones that are sustaining. They have addressed their attitudes to money. When you don't sit down and address your own attitudes to money, there's no way you will last in this work. So that's why we are here. And that's what we are believing God to do in our lives. Me, I've sat down. I've looked at it. I've addressed my own attitude about money. There are things that will never change. Oh, I teach change. I talk about change. But when it comes to this issue of money, there are things that will never change by the grace of God. You need to sit down too. In the light of all these truths. And that's how they do it in our church. That's how minister so-so and so is doing it. That's why church so-so and so. No, forget them. How about you? Unfortunately, many of us are in this ministry because of what? They download now. We are in it because of what we eat. May God forgive us. If you are financially reckless, your life will be a wreck. If you are financially disorganized, you are truly disorganized. And you know many ministries are going asunder because our finances are not organized. If you are not financially free, you are not truly free. And that's the truth. But this week, the Lord will set you free. 
You only see from yourself when you fail to manage your money properly. Yes. And there are many of us we are stealing from ourselves. Look up at me. Let me give you one truth. You see, from this morning, I'll be telling you some home truths. Some home truths. You may not believe them, but they, even if you don't believe them, they are there for you. When you walk this journey of ministry, to a certain point, you'll meet them. Then you remember, oh, they told us. But don't wait until then. Believe them today. My number one home truth for you this week. Number one home truth. This is your home truth. Number one, don't you ever, and I mean it, don't you ever put your financial future in the hand of your church. That's number one home truth. If you're a pastor, you're a minister, you're a leader, and you put your financial future in the hand of your church or your ministry, it's a great mistake. You will live to regret it. Why? Because no church is worth dying for. Oh, somebody say, but I'm the founder of the church. Yes, I know. Separate your personal money from church money. Do you hear me? Oh, you know, I grant an interview. <laughs> it was in the papers. You know the topic? Those journalist people, they put it there. They say, Akidion says that the day government wakes up, most pastors will spend the rest of their life in jail. It's true. Because there's a difference between your personal money and church money. Which we don't do. Most of us, only that see that told you that come in. We are the ones started the church. We do everything. No record. Nothing. You collect the offering. You put it inside your pocket. Or you use it to buy a car. Take care of yourself. No record. Even if there's record, you falsify the records. You are stealing from yourself. And that's how you remain where you are. That's why God's blessing will never rebound on you. Because the church is not started to feed you. And you know most of us use the anointing and the grace of God in our life just to feed ourselves. Your ministry pays you, but it doesn't pay heaven. And you know our concept is this. The money of God belongs to the man of God. And the man of God has spent the money of God. So if God is angry, let him deal with the man of God. He will deal with you very soon. Judgment must start. From the very house of God. You better start setting things in order. If you need to call auditor and bring your account and let's all help you look at it. Eto jale eto. Tell your neighbor, eto jale eto. Okay, let's move on. You can the poorest man or not is he whose only wealth is what? Is money. We'll get there. There's something that is better than money. We'll get there in the conference. I will teach you. Don't build financially buoyant people. Rather, build wealthy people. Wealth is better than money. We'll get there. Now, it's going to be holistic this week by God's grace. You can never really know what a man is until you give him three things. Money, power, and what? Position. When some of us get money, ah, we will change music. 
I overheard a pastor saying that if God give me money in this ministry, ah, I will use it to sew shoe. Ah, monolo unifu hello. He will not give you that money because you don't know the use of it. I know one of the reasons why many of us we try, 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 try. We use every gimmick, every chip, but the money no call. How will it come? How will it come? What do you want to use it for? I'm talking of genuine money. I'm not talking of crooks. We'll get to crooks. I'll preach a message on gimmicks. You see all the ways we are lying. That in Jale. When it comes to the issue of money, how many ministers will get to heaven? Oh, you heard the story our shaman for today said. Pot of gold inside a room in the night. <laughs> Pastors, out of ten, only one escape. And only. Okay, money will never be enough. It is transient. It is fleeting. It is uncertain. It is corruptible. It is unsatisfying. It is deceitful. And it is depreciating. Yeah. Money will never satisfy. You can read all those scriptures. Especially Psalm 49, verse 10 to verse 18. Some people build their foundation on money, build their life, build their ministry on money. It will never satisfy. Now look at it. Money can be a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. Have you thought of it like that? Let me expand that for you. As a good servant, as a wonderful servant, what can money do for you? Number one, it helps you to run errands. It helps you to do a good work. Number two, you can use it to build people. You can use it to preach the gospel. You can use it to purchase equipment and to reach people. You can use it to meet needs and solve problems. You can use it to, 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 to benefit people. And you are generous with it. That's a good servant. You can send money as a servant to do good things, to bless people, to put smile on the face of people, to preach the good news of the gospel. He's a good servant. But at the same time, money can be a very, very terrible master. The truth, money corrupts. And the more money you have, the more corrupt you become. If care is not taken. Money corrupts. It has a corrupting power. Let me show you. Now, how does money corrupt? It corrupts you that you convert it in such a way and you are ready to sell your soul for money. Conversion system of money have turned people, young ladies, into prostitutes. Even married women corrupts. In the effort to seek for money, a wakulowo, a wakulowo, you die searching for money. Money corrupts and it turns good friends into enemies. Money corrupts. It makes people to become disloyal. To leaders, to ministers, money corrupts. And the more you seek for money, you convert for money, it has a corrupting power. So many people have lost their faith, they have denied their God because of money. How about Judas? How about demons? People who were Christians, who performed miracles, who saw the Holy Spirit live, saw Jesus live. But money corrupts them. Money corrupts. That's a corrupting influence. Money is a good servant, but a terrible master. May money not be your master. Amen. Look at the irony of money. Some people say if you focus on making it, you are regarded as materialistic. If you try, but you do not make it, you are called a loser. If you make a lot and you keep it, they say you are a miser. If you make it and you spend it, 
They say you are you are labeled as a spendthrift. Now, if you don't if you do not care about making it, they say you are unambitious. If you make it, you make a lot and still have it with you when you die, you are called a fool for trying to take it with, with you. How do you handle money? That's the last one there. The only way to really win with money is to hold it loosely and be generous with it to accomplish things of eternal value. May God make money your servant. Amen. I can't hear your amen. amen. Okay, that's about money. Let's look at ministry. Ministry is your gift, your calling, your divine assignment, your life task, your life objective, your God-given vision. You will need God. You need good people around you and lots of money to propagate and fulfill your ministry, like I've told you. Today, money is no longer the bicycle, but the jets of the gospel. Ministry without money is like a work clock without battery. May God give you battery. Ministry without money is like a brand new car, but without petrol. Ministry without money is like a marriage without a bride. So many people have ideas inside there, but there's no money to carry it out. God will give money to your ministry. Oh, say amen. Let me give you some facts about these that are not in your own material. A poor pastor will only grow a poor church. And a poor minister will only lead a poor ministry. That's the truth. That's the truth. And number two is this. Ministers are second to the lowest paid worker in the whole world. Number three. 95% of pastors' wives, they don't like their husbands. Because of this issue of low remuneration and money. And you know a lot of women, a lot of young girls don't want to marry pastors. They know that if you marry a minister, or marry Bessie, Jesus Lofer, Another truth, a research was conducted, and this is the truth. Listen to me, listen to this research. About 50 of 60, between 50 and 60 percent of pastors will become broke at the age of 65. Did you hear that? They will not depend on three people to feed them for the rest of their life till their dying day, they will depend on church. They will depend on their children, physical or spiritual. And they depend on society. And that's why pastors, 65 upward, many of them die of a broken heart. Because why? We have not properly managed our money. Low remuneration. Churches don't pay pastors. How much are they going to pay you? I see no churches that are paying pastors 2,500 naira. I see no churches that if you are 11 years, if you are 20 years old in the ministry, your salary is about 11,000. And you want to, do you remember my home truth? My home truth for today. Don't you ever put your financial future in the hand of your child. If you do, you will live to regret it. Now today, pastors' children are becoming wayward. Because why? We don't have money to take care of our children. You can't send them to university. You don't have DSTV or high TV in your house. And your neighbor have it. Who tells you that your children will not go out there? Hello? The research continues and says that 70% of pastors have no savings. In fact, many of them don't have a bank account. We don't have it. And we are depending on church. 
and you don't take charge of your finances and you are in ministry. Remember that statement that says that today money is no longer the bicycle but the works, the church of the gospel. Why? Sending missionaries requires money. Lands and buildings need lots of money. Equipment and resources cost money. Mobilizing for crusade and soul winning is what? Expensive. Flying to other countries costs lots of uh, money. Salaries, welfare, emoluments cost lots of uh, money. Bibles, books, materials, and conferences, they cost what? Now look up at me. Do you know how much you spend for this conference? In fact, I don't want to calculate. I don't want to. Because that's at the last time, about three weeks ago when I calculated, we have spent more than two million naira. So I decided not to calculate. I said, let me leave it. And how much is coming in? And most of you, <laughs> it is 5,000 we pay. Oh. <laughs> you know, somebody will get to the registration. Let me see this, your registration. Let me see this, your outline. Oh, come on, Jetty, tell her, let me out. And you know some of you will be calculating now. Some of you that have what I call factory mentality. You'll be calculating one, two, three, four, five, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ah, about two thousand people. Baba oh. Baba oh. Monty Lowo. Ami. My only, my only explanation to you is that you yourself go and do this kind of thing and go and see how it co- what it costs. My prayer is that God will grow your ministry. Yeah. Uh-huh. You say amen? Yeah. Say amen. Yeah. Because there was so much to spend. So many things to take care of. It costs money to preach the gospel. And you know why many of us are poor? It's not because God wants us to be poor. It's because our, our, our revelation, our insight, our emphasis on money has not been balanced. It's as if we glorify poverty too much. Or at the other extreme, we glorify prosperity. Get it rich quick. No, it doesn't work that way. I'll give you another home truth. Can I give you another home truth? I won't give you. Uh, you should have said no. I said, can I give you another one? You said yes. You should have said no. Because I gave you one the other time. I should give you. Uh, the thing want to cash me. Back to sender. Everything concerning you. The firm around me. <laughs> Amen. Can I give you another home truth? Good. It is possible to have all the money you need to run your ministry. It is possible. But this is the truth there. This is the home truth. If God gives you a one million naira vision, he will only give you 100,000 cash. Did you hear that? If he gives you how much? One million naira vision. How much cash he will give you? 100,000. How do you get the rest now 100,000? Faith, obedience, and wisdom. 
That's another home truth. Home truth number two. If it gives you a one million naira vision, your vision, your ministry is one million naira what? He won't give you all the money at once. That's the mistake we are making. He'll give you hundred thousand. The high about the how about the rest? Little. The more faith you have in him, the more obedient you are, the more step you take, the more wisdom you are able to apply, the more God will bring the money to fulfill that vision. If that vision is from God, God will provide for that vision. But not at once. Quite unlike the way they are teaching us. It's a step-by-step thing. Sometimes, you may not have 10 naira in your account. But if it is God's vision, he will do it. To preach the gospel throughout the whole world is much more expensive today than ever before. Like, for example, if you are flying to South Africa there, how about getting to the embassy, getting your visa, everything, you'll be spending about 300000 It's expensive. Someone say, I want to fly, I want to fly, I want to travel. Do you have the money? And you know when you travel just to go and make money, you miss it. You travel to go and impart and influence. God is the one that paid the wages of his servant. For many years I traveled. I never came back with anything. I was so... Now I come back with things. However... The truth is that our ministry must not suffer because of money. And I pray for you, your ministry will not suffer because of money. The loss will be lost. Underline that. The loss will be lost. If there is no money to send missionaries, print books, Bibles, and materials. The loss will be lost. If there is no money to send missionaries, to plant churches, to print Bibles, to send materials, to pay salaries. That's why money is very crucial in our ministry. Now look at the example of Jesus' ministry. I decided to scripturalize everything. Look at the example of Jesus' ministry. If you read Luke chapter 8, verse 2 and 3, the Bible says, those women, the wife of Chusa, Susanna, Mary Magdalene, that demons were casted out of, they were the ones that ministered to him out of their substance. In other words, they were the financial supporters of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Look at it there. He came alone to preach and to save men. He came alone. Nobody came with him. He came. God sent his only begotten son. Then he had partners and supporters. He decided to raise them up because he knew the value of partners and supporters. People that must support this world. He took care of the financial aspect of the ministry, which many of us were not doing today. He paid the 12 full-time ministers. Then he took care of the 70 part-time ministers. He didn't have too many ministers to pay. He was careful of the uh, financial outlay. You know, most of us today, we have too many full-time ministers that we're spending too many resources on. We should not be. Then, a TV treasurer kept the excesses. Even his treasurer was a thief. And yet, the ministry did not collapse. He had a house. Or you think he doesn't have a house? He had a house. That's in John 1.39. The Bible said two of the disciples of John, they went back and they followed Jesus and they saw where he was sleeping and they, they, they came to his house 
And the Bible they say they slept overnight. So those of you that say Jesus doesn't have a house, read your Bible again. They slept overnight. The Bible says his house. He gave to the poor. Thank you, sir. He gave to the poor. Because the Bible says in John 13, 29, that those things were in the bag that, uh, 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 that uh, Judas was keeping, that he was giving to the poor. He even had excess to be given to the poor. Then he was buried by a rich man. Your ministry will not lack money. What kind of amen are you giving me in this conference? Look at the example of money in post ministry also. Apostle Paul worked part time when the work was young. Yes. Some of us are becoming too time, full time, too soon. All this year, yet teaching the gift to you. If you're a minister, you must become full time. Uh-uh. You have a good job, a well paying job, a job that is bringing money, and the work is so young. Why don't you be a part time? God has not called you to poverty and penury now. And you know some of our fathers will tell you that hey, hey, that's a secular job. Which one is secular? The one you went to school for. You got training. And God saw you through. Help you pay everything. And this is taking care of you and your family and your children. And now, of I resign, you know she. You want to resign to tr- trouble. And most of you, when, when money was money, some of you were any uh, 100,000 per month. And you resign. They come and be giving you five thousand, and they send you to Abule Jesu Walai, where there are only two people there, and they made you pastor a church where there are only five people. How will the offering take care of you? So what happened? Your children rebel, your wife rebel. Alagbambaya where so? Toriko so what? If you are still around, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Paul was a part time. That's the scripture there. You can read it. You know, he told the people, This my hands have ministered to my needs and those who are working with me. I teach it in church growth and I stand by it till tomorrow. Now, before this conference end, I will say something about church planting. We want to be doing something for church planting. But let me say this. If your church is not 100 adult members, you don't have any business being a full-time minister. There's only one exception. Except the Lord specifically, laconically, and clearly speaks to you that don't work. If he does that, then he will be feeding you miraculous. But if he doesn't say that, don't try it. Hello? Am I still talking to somebody? I don't want to cite anybody's example, you know. But let's move on here. He took care of those who are working with him. That's Apostle Paul. He said it. He was not a financial burden to anyone. And that's why you should get to a ministry, my brother. Stop saying because you are a minister, you are an executive beggar. When your members see you coming, they have to close their door. A minister is not a beggar. God has not called us to beg. Don't be a financial burden on anybody. The ultimate is that your money must be different from your ministry. 
That even people, if they don't give your people, you should tell them, look, me, I give in this church more than all of you. And that's why most of us, when we are raising money, how will people give you? Are raising money? Your own money is not there. Uh, some people, you know, but uh, don't let me talk about Jimik. Let me reserve that one for Jimik. You know, we use this Jimik. Uh, when we are raising money, when we are raising money, you bring out 5,000. Yes, 5,000, 5,000, 5,000. And some people responded. And at the end of the raising of money, when you are with the host minister, I say, where's my 5,000? I asked that you want to call her, hey, motivating me. motivating That's one of the things we do. That's why ministers like that, they are poor. ああ、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、
He had integrity. If you read Numbers chapter 16, verse number 15, he said it. When Korah, Datan, and Abiram, when they were, when they were, wake, when they were rebellious against him, he said, I have not taken anything from them. Neither did I hurt them. I didn't take anything. He was honest. He had integrity when it comes to money in ministry. Number three, Samuel. Yeah, Pastor, let's ready for us in the morning. Samuel, he also had integrity. In First Samuel chapter 12, verse 2 to 5, he said, Whose horse have I taken? Did I bribe anybody? Did I defraud anybody? Did I take anything from anybody? They said, No, you have not defrauded us. He had integrity. Number, number four, Jesus. Nobody can accuse Jesus that he deprived everybody, anybody. He didn't take money from anybody. Even the money that were given to his ministry, he kept it in somebody's hand. It was that one, distributing it to the necessity of the saints. And finally, number five, is Apostle Paul. Oh yes. You know, I love this 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 2. Let's read. 2 Corinthians 7. And I need you to mark it in your Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 2. What does this say? Receive us. Egbawa. Receive us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. Can you say that? How many ministers can say that today? We have not defrauded any man. We have not wronged any man. When it comes to finance. Brethren, we need God to watch us. So many of us have wronged people. So many of us have defrauded others. In the name of ministry, some of us have stolen money from the church. Some of us do things that we never pay. Yes, I'll be coming with lots and lots and lots of things we do. Later on, I'll be talking about our, our value system when it comes to money. Minister's value system. Okay, but let's finish this up. Unfortunately, in the last several years, there have been gross abuse and imbalances about money in ministry. The wrong value system that have been placed on money by many of our fathers, our leaders, and our founders. It is either we encourage ungodly prosperity, get rich quick syndrome, extravagant living, and money by all means message, or we emphasize poverty, penury, and squalor. And most of us are truly ignorant, uninformed, and unaware of the scriptural balance of the place of money in ministry. Every pastor, every leader, every minister, and an overseer, we are called to be a leader. You lead people. An administrator, you manage things well. A financial controller, you see to the financial prudence of that ministry. A personal manager, you take care of things and take care of your workers. Then a business manager, you run the ministry profitably. You must function in those roles. That's why we need to know very well. And that's why we need to be men and women of integrity. That's why we need to handle money in a judicious, in a wise way. That's why we need to know how to make money, manage money, and multiply money in ministry. If your ministry is five, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, you must be able to manage that money. Not only must you grow physically, materially, and spiritually, you must also grow financially. If you are not growing financially, it's because your manage money, money management skill is very, very weak. Your financial intelligence is small, is, is very low than your financial foolishness.
You will only be able to function competently in these areas when you are financially informed. When you are wise about making, managing, and multiplying money in a biblical and godly way. And the right knowledge is what we have here because it's the currency of today. Now, ultimately, let me say this. Let me round it up this way. God wants every one of us to be a model. Every minister to be a model. Now, that was the message I gave to the alumni last week Thursday. But I won't give you that message. I just want to abbreviate it here. The goal of God for this conference and for your life, for my life, for your ministry, for your church, is that when it comes to finance, we become a model. Now, like I said last week, anything God is involved with, God wants a model. Anything God does, he first do a model first. When he created Adam and Eve, he made them a model. The Garden of Eden was a model. Enoch was a model to his generation. He called Abraham out. He was a model to the unbelieving people around him. In fact, the basic reason God called out Israel to be a nation unto him is that they should be a model to the other nations. And more especially, we Christians, he has called us to be light in a dark world. He has called us to model, to be an example of the gospel. Now, not only in clean living, in godly living, in righteous living, in our finances also, because you know the truth, if you don't have integrity when it comes to finance, every other area you are a model is a waste. If you have to get anything right, my brethren, this is the one we need to get right first. God wants us to be a model, the way we handle our money. And the truth is this, if you think the church doesn't watch us, they are watching us. If you think the unbelieving world doesn't know, they know. And today, you know the aspersions they cast on the church. They say the church is the commercial center. They say the pastors, they are not feeding the sheep. They are fleecing the sheep. And they are not totally wrong. Because that is the attitude each of us display. Most of us, we have this attitude of a hireling. We are in the work for the money. You know, I'm not surprised. I will say it later on. I will get there when I talk about the mistakes we make in ministry. Money mistakes we make. You know, today it has even got to understand that denominations, all their regions, their zone, their district, their province, everything, they give them certain amount of money they must realize every month. You, this region, bring 50 million. So what happened? The preacher, the regional leader, the zonal pastor, the area pastor, the provincial pastor, they started doing program and doing program, doing program. The motive of the program is not to bless people, it's to make money. Because we must meet the financial target. Kill us for sure, she So when the unbelieving God word says we're a business center, are you surprised? And we'll go and bring in a guest speaker. He too will charge us. I'll be back, huh? He too will charge us. If I raise social amount, social amount belongs to me. Allah man rejoda. Otibere. And that's what we are turning the church to. We raise offering upon offering. Offering upon offering. And the, the local branch is weak. The center is strong. You know, we run churches the way we run Nigeria. All the states that are producing the money, the minerals, the Niger Delta, the Ondos, and all the, all, the, all the oil producing people, all those things. They are poorer. Why Abuja is strong? That's why there's so much to steal. 
O tin sele source na. Ara ti brother yin e to ji 12 million. Tan gbe wa oloko estate silu e, won ni kilo de, oni se issue ni. Stand up on your feet. Hello. Look up at me. Let me close with this statement. If you are not truthful, if you are not sincere, if you are not honest, if you are not a godly model, a true example in your finances, the way you handle finance, the way you make money, the way you multiply and manage money in ministry, number one, your ministry will never last. Number two, if you don't master money and handle your finances judiciously with justice, fair play, integrity, your heaven is in doubt. That is the truth. Most of us that say we are going to heaven, I don't believe you are going to heaven if you can't manage your finances. Because the God who have all the resources in the whole world. Is this a God? He's still a God of justice and fair play. Now, so looking at me there, most of us, those who are working for us and working with us, we are paying them poorly. You remember fella? The late Anikula Pokuti. You know he sang about bishops. Pope na enjoyment. Imamu na gbaladu. 99 sitting, 49 standing. Oh, you may say it's a worldly song, but there's a truth there. That's what we do in ministry today. Fair play, justice is not there. Now, when last, when last, did you render the account of that ministry? When last? Most of us can't give it. You know when it comes to this area, ah, emo tuwo ni she oluwa ni ma ba e tu lo se yi. Kore sin to ma se mi. Nothing will happen to me because e dumare lo fi me. There's no justice and fair play. How can you get to that heaven? We are holy. Okay, we are holy. We are holy. We don't sleep with women. We are honest. We are doing this. But when it comes to money, how holy are you? Can you tell us the story of how you bought that car? Can you tell us the story of how you built that house? Supposing somebody comes to your ministry today and say, Hey, young man, give me the account of this ministry. Can you render it? A few days back, I was talking to our lawyer. So I wanted him to change some of the I wanted to change something for us in Abuja. Sir. So he said, Look, if I get to Abuja, uh, CAC Abuja. They will ask for your returns since you registered this thing. I said, yes, now. So quickly, I just called registrar. I said, registrar, come, Jerry. Uh, the lawyer wants to see our return. And you know, we went and produced all the receipts. He said, what? So you people have returns? I said, I'm a good Nigerian and I want to get to heaven. One of my staff was heated. Oh, had an accident. And she had a broken leg. You know, in the hospital, we send money to her. 
that they should use it for the operation. And she has only worked with us for about one year. Then, some couple of days back, I sent her salary too. No, she, dis- she called me on Saturday. She called me. Sir, you still give me salary? I said, yes, you work for it. I said, for all the money you are paid for this hospital, I said, yes, that's the way it should be. Ha-ha. I said, that's the way it should be. You work for it. How can we abandon you in your time of trials? But that's what we do in church. I'm not trying to say I'm holy. No. I'm simply telling you I'm trying to live according to this. Because if we are correct in every other area and we are wrong here, our heaven is not sure. Mr. Sherman, sir. Thank you for the clappings where we are going to do the praying. I want you to pray this prayer. Say, oh Lord, my father, help me to handle money correctly from today. Prayer in the name of Jesus. Help me. We have just been told this powerful truth that if we fail in this one area, 